to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising, and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible, while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time. Now let's get into it. Now, before we go into the episode, this is sponsored by the Audience Growth Ad Experiment. This is a free guide that I created to really help answer the question of where do I start when it comes to ads, especially around literally where to start. So what I've done is I've actually put to the test Pinterest, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram ads all in a way that has pretty much the same variables that I could to see which one's gonna get you the most bang for your buck, which means the most amount of results, most amount of leads, and audience growth for the least amount of cost out of your budget or wallet. So I broke this down as best as I could. I made it super simple, but so, so, so helpful for those who are wanting to find out how to go about this, what were the actual results, which platform actually did come out on top, and where to start after that. So get your hands on that. It's going to be at danielleclem.com slash ad experiment. Also in the show notes below, such a good place to start. And also so helpful for those who were like me who wondered, okay, are Facebook ads still the best way to go? This will answer that for you. So I'll see you inside the experiment and I'll, let's get started. The show. All right. So, hey guys, today I have on the lovely Lucy Sheridan, who is a comparison coach for women who want to step out of jealousy or envy and into a hashtag comparison free life. Welcome to the (laughs) podcast, Lucy. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. Thanks so much for such a warm welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited for you to be here. And I think everyone listening will get some huge value out of this as well. And I'd love to begin this show with every each of my guests kind of talking about the beginning of their journey and then ending with the present and future. So I would love if you could tell us a little bit about how you grew up and kind of what led you to going down this path. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I kind of I grew up in like a fairly sort of like um, air bunnies here, like normal um, childhood, I guess comparison for me though has definitely always been present I can remember when my brother was born when I was about five years old and I would compare you know what toys he had versus what I had (laughs) I maybe look at my mum and dad and think hmm I wonder if my uh, mum and dad love me as much as they love him because he is really cute and it's interesting (laughs) then it kind of I noticed that it also followed me into school like would I get my swimming badges on time or would I get the same grades as people and would I be reading the same books as other people in my class and then it you know as puberty comes um, it started um, translating onto boys and um, ranking myself against other girls when I was younger and equally you know influenced some of my um, decisions that I made around where I took my education and my work and that sort of thing and I thought everyone was kind of obsessed with comparing and ranking and competing I suppose but it was only when I got to like my late teens early 20s I realized this was something that I was maybe feeling more than others Um, and subsequently it followed me into the early years of my career and then um, into my mid-20s. And then it was in my mid-late 20s when comparison got really, really intense for me because I um, went to my school reunion, which I know always kind of, people always <laughs> yes. kind of go side-eye as in like, oh God, well, well you know, you get what you, you get what you deserve. <laughs> but I went to my school reunion and on the day itself, I had a really fun day. So the Prosecco was flowing. There was a great barbecue. It was, I went to school in a really um, cute little town in, um, in Lincolnshire in the UK called Stanford. And it's, you know, if you can imagine any sort of like period drama, it looks like it's filmed there. It's very idyllic and really beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, so very Jane Austen y style vibe. Um, Cute little, cute little town. That's where I went to school. So the day itself was really fun and it was a genuine wander down memory lane. You know, it was really um, uplifting day. What did happen on the day is that obviously we were all, I say obviously, but we, a lot of us had our phones out. So we were adding each other to our social networks and 
overnight my social network tripled and I was um at at that time I wasn't in a great place not just because of comparison but I was really struggling in um my job and I developed anxiety and was finding myself crying in the toilets a lot and you know the job and the career that I thought was absolutely for me I was really falling out of love with so I was having a little bit of I look back now a kind of very slow breakdown but at the time I just thought it was a little bit of stress but unfortunately it was a little bit more serious than that so behind the scenes and off Instagram and off social media I was really really struggling um and managed to have like a fun day on the day itself but against this background tripled my social media network and when I woke up like the Monday and the Tuesday after the weekend that we'd had the school reunion it was almost like I'd stepped into this Las Vegas of comparison because I was already feeling pretty low about myself I was looking I was like gathering data that I was like you know for the fact that I was feeling like a loser and then here I am now with these people that are in my cohort school and so arguably are a really good measure or of like where you could be at a certain age and I started comparing myself over and over again and I could feel it starting on the day itself when like one of the women um, had to leave because she had an interior designer coming the next day. And I was like, we are 27 years old. You have no business having an interior <laughs> Like what? I just couldn't get my head around it. And um, similarly, I would, you know, in the weeks that followed, I would see people going on holiday and um, they would be going to, oh, we're back in the Maldives again. And I was like, again? I, you know, I remember me once. And it, I just was comparing myself so much. And it was the start of a two-year downward spiral, basically, um, Danielle. And comparison, just beca- I became obsessed with certain people and their lives. Mm-hmm. I'd find myself a few years deep in people's holiday pictures. I was just gorging mm-hmm. on all this content and creating more and more separation between myself and them and also separation from myself and my true self there too um and it was it was just a very difficult time until it got to one Saturday afternoon and I think I was you know lying under a duvet fully clothed or something like that it was not like a very cool Instagrammable moment (laughs) and uh, the phone got so warm that it turned itself off and I realized that oh geez you know comparison has literally become too hot for me to handle here And it's one of the few times in my life I can maybe count the number of times this has happened on two hands in that I heard a message. I can only describe it. It was almost like an audible message or voice that maybe was mine or maybe wasn't. And it said, this has got to stop. And I almost I think I almost replied to it. Yeah, I know. And I and that's where things really start to shift for me in that I thought if I can think and feel myself into this, could I think and feel myself out of it and that's when I decided right not going to judge myself I'm going to observe the effect of comparison I'm going to observe where it comes from observe how it makes you feel and I'm going to observe what feels good and how I can get myself out of it and see where I go from there and that is really where it all started in that I was able to come up with some tools methods techniques approaches mindsets that really helped me dissolve and cut off the oxygen to my comparison so although I'm a big believer in um, the hashtag comparison hashtag comparison free I don't think I'll ever be completely free from comparison I just think it's it's one of my life assignments and my aim and my goal my aim for point is to have a much better relationship with myself such that the comparison pops up say five to ten percent of the time as opposed to 90 to 100 percent of the time how that kind of applies to my work and how I've ended up with this super specialist job title as the comparison <laughs> coach <laughs> is that I set up my business um it'll be five years ago this year actually which has flown by beginning Thank you so much. I really received that. That's so kind of you. Because um, when I started my life coaching business, I was had a pretty general message. I think I was focused on, um, I think it was like balance, like work-life balance. And I was doing a bit of coaching on the side. And I was also doing freelance brand strategy, which what I used to do as a, a day job. Um, and that was kind of supporting, one was supporting the other. Um, and so I was going for about six months or so. And I noticed that whenever I talked about comparison on my blog or in a newsletter, this is really early days. And I, I didn't have, um, I had a very, very small community at the time, like my mum and her friends, basically my audience. <laughs> they've all been there um so um it was we were very much in a a a period of not even at growth like just really really early days but I did notice I get a spike um when on people reading it or if I talked about it like in the pub with my friends um people would engage in the topic of comparison everyone had something to say everyone had an experience of it everyone had an opinion about it and I thought okay 
I think I was thinking, talking to a journalist or something one day and she said, um, you know, it's comparison a big area of yours. And I thought, gosh, yeah, I think it is actually. And I thought, I, only, I, I answered truthfully, but it, I had no idea what was coming. But the next day I remember thinking, right, I'm going to turn on the comparison coach for 90 days. So I'm going to give it almost like a three month test. Mm-hmm. And if it's crickets and tumbleweeds, cool. I'll know that it's a good topic for the blog, but it's not an area for my work necessarily. Um, and I'll just give it a test. But the rest, as they say, is history, Danielle, because now we're going into year five. And um, it's it's the only thing I really talk about um, through. I can I talk about a lot of different um, topics and areas of life, but it's through that filter. It's through that um, message. And that kind of leads me to today, really. So it's been a bit of a winding road, but a big part of it has been following my intuition as much as kind of looking at the facts and looking at the data. Because I do think when you are a business owner, um, you know, it can be very challenging going from having lots of people you can kind of consult with, ask the advice of, go to departments or like, you know, Mm -hmm. get opinions. And then when your name's above the door, all of it falls to you. So it's been interesting in terms of when I look back and I've just been kind of doing some quiet reflection just ahead of looking forward to our interview today. When I look back, there there were times when I really felt like I was taking a big risk because I was worried about this you know it would comparison as a message was very very tight and niche and then and I think you'd agree the well-being industry over the last couple of years has ballooned and it's mm-hmm. fantastic yes. it's never been so exciting there's never been so much opportunity even five years ago um it was very very much emerging very very early days and in the UK scene as well a fraction of what it was in the states um where self-development I think has been more accessible generally and that's probably a bit of a general term a general um judgment it has been more accessible which is fantastic but in the UK we've very much kind of been behind the curve a little bit I think things are changing but nevertheless we have been behind the curve so when I started talking about comparison five years ago I was always talking about like a niche of a niche of a niche so I really felt like god am I cutting my nose off to spite my face here in terms of how the same and because there's one thing specializing but it's kind of to, that was really really specialist and to a point it's still is today but I'm really glad I just followed the hunch and just gave myself a little bit of space and wiggle room I suppose in giving it that 30-day test because if I hadn't felt the traction I hadn't felt connected with the work or I hadn't felt like um people were going for it then I would have just been like, you know, I would have held my hands up and say, you know what, I tried, but I'm going to have to change. I'll start with a different direction. I'll go back to what I'm doing now. But as I say, um, it did take off. And I've been following the breadcrumbs since that moment. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's a fantastic. I mean, your journey to get there is truly, I think everyone can relate to some part of it. Because even myself, I talked about this earlier on um, earlier episodes of the podcast, like, any single guest that I've talked to, I usually ask them about their internal uh, struggles when they first started out, you know, mindset wise. And almost every single one of them says comparison syndrome is huge. Like whenever you first start out, because for you, which was really interesting, is that you actually had it in person. But a lot of people nowadays, I notice, have it social media on top oh, yeah. of in person. Yeah, it's on steroids now, I mm-hmm. think, big time, big time. It definitely is. And even, uh, it's, it's really interesting because I love talking to people like you who uh, have gone through it. And the best part about what you said, too, is that you're never no one will ever get to 100 percent like comparison free or like whatever you're trying to work on. No one will ever be able to get to that 100 percent all the so time. True. It's not feasible. And I even had on an anxiety uh, coach earlier this month. And uh-huh. she even mentioned that, you know, she's happy. She loves her life. She's She's gone through anxiety and helped work it out. However, there's still days here and there where, you know, sometimes it pops up, but you can control it. So I yes. love that you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of it is that I expect it. I expect mm-hmm. to um, experience comparison, just like I expect to be hungry. If yes. I haven't eaten, <laughs> I don't want to feel like comparison three times a day, but that has happened. I've been in states of comparison for days at a time so you know um it, the time frames haven't you know necessarily um been gentle around that but I really think part of the success is that you're kind of already there if you accept and expect it as the human experience really um because I don't think I'd ever want to turn off anything completely whether it's part of my personality or or a habit because it just doesn't take then I would be trying to be a completely flawless human being and that's just setting myself up for failure because kind of you know it's the the darker colors sometimes that make um 
the human experience so much more juicy for us. Yes, it's true. I was talking to someone about this recently, and I think you can agree as well, is that, you know, when you're you know, you're happy and you love life. It doesn't mean that you're going to love life 24-7 or else you wouldn't know what exactly. happiness is. <laughs> that... You've got it, exactly. And it's exhausting as well, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you know, you go to a concert, you go to like a festival, you see all your favourite bands. The next day, you're just exhausted. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It's so hard to sustain. See, I totally agree with that. And I think too, if, um, if you've experienced anxiety, depression, um, just, you know, changes in your mood that haven't felt comfortable, maybe challenged you, just feeling okay feels absolutely amazing. So yeah. for me, I've experienced anxiety in my life and I dare say it'll visit again one day. That's all good. Um, but to wake up every day and feel like I can breathe properly and my mind isn't racing, that is like a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. I don't need to be punching the air and skipping through a meadow and kind of like, you know, high five <laughs> down the yes. street, you know, like Disney and there's like little um, animated uh, little birds flying around my head and stuff like that yes. like a um, Disney movie when you've had anxiety you've been through a really tough patch or you've overcome something a struggle whatever it is for you just to feel okay to feel completely neutral is such a place of strength I think yes I, I remember when I used to do um, mindset work which I still do to this day but I remember when I first started out I was like I just want to feel content or satisfied you know I don't think that you have to feel elated or excited all the time and even for myself like I I my my, my you can hear from my voice my mood is like kind of just new like kind of just chill normally so for yeah. me to get to the excitement part takes a lot <laughs> it takes yeah. a lot of energy for me to get to that point and then I'll dip back down um but yeah there's just certain parts too where I think people are different like for example um I love talking to people but I have some introvert side of me so I like yeah. to be in my own home sometimes and yeah. um for others they have like the most amazing energy you know coming out of their eyeballs all the time and for that <laughs> I, I applaud you guys but it's it's yeah. not where I'm at and I think people have to be aware of that too of who they are how their like dna is made up i think you're completely right and don't fight it as well mm -hmm. don't fight it like i am um, i would i probably come over as an extrovert but i have a lot of introvert um tendencies um so as much as i'll enjoy the party when i'm there i'll worry about it all day or you know yeah. I'll, I'll maybe hope i'm gonna get an email saying it's cancelled or something yes <laughs> um so yeah and i think that's part of it like go with your personality go with your traits rather than trying to fight it um and don't you know it's easy to judge others and be like oh they've, they've got this and they've got it all going on they can they're really confident when actually you don't know what it's like when they're kind of snuggled under a duvet on a, on a Saturday afternoon yes. you know, not feeling too great so no I think you're absolutely right arriving at what is your happy and your level and what is your optimum energy and 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 making choices based on that accordingly I think is really really important well, I, I love that, arriving at what is your happy. I think that's a beautiful way of saying it because everyone has a different version of happiness and what they want success-wise, all that kind of things. And oh, totally. That's why I think it goes hand-in-hand -hand with the comparison aspect because once you kind of dip into what you see others wanting rather than what you personally want, oh, yeah. that's when it gets just really rough. Yeah, completely. And I um, I try and stay in my own lane as much as possible and obviously support clients to do that as well. But I, I'll often ask myself a question and clients too in a very positive, challenging way as in, but is it your dream or are you borrowing it? Have you borrowed that yeah. because you think it's what success looks like? Or have you borrowed that because that's what it worked for someone else to, for them to get their version of happy? Um, but, you know, our dreams, our goals, they, they, they are they must absolutely be our own but it's important to also check in on if they've got a sell-by date on them so just because you know you really wanted to climb the corporate ladder and you've got to a certain point now you've changed your mind that doesn't mean that you're not you're it doesn't mean you're failing it means that you've changed your mind so uh, you know adjust the sales accordingly I think there's so much pressure to stay stay and stick it out and hustle and don't you know don't take your eyes off the prize and I'm, I'm behind that um more more often than not but if you change your mind or what you want falls out of alignment for you, it's not for you to force yourself back into liking or following the thing. It's about tweaking your goal or your aim for or your version of success so it feels like your favorite pair of shoes. Yes, exactly. And I think this is actually a really great way of uh, noticing it too is when you shifted from when you were, you know, from just 
you know, the general life coach would think everyone yeah. starts out at to then going yeah. more into this comparison aspect. Um, how, because I don't, I don't think you mentioned too much. Was your family supportive of everything that you, you know, having to go through this kind of transition for career and kind of lifestyle change? Oh, great question. No, you're right. I didn't touch on that. Broadly, yeah, I would say they were. So I think they could see um, that I was struggling at, at my work at that time. And um, when I mentioned about wanting to do the qualification, um, I'd been on a training weekend and then to do a qualification over time was a much bigger investment. I actually borrowed the money off my mum for it because I didn't have the money and I was in loads of credit card debt. And I like wrote her a proposal like on a piece of A4 on my computer. I love that. I was like, I'd like to borrow this money. This is my, my this is why I'd like to borrow it. Um, I would I want to sign this. I would like to pay it back in these monthly installments so that it'd be all covered in this amount of time. And um, she went for it, bless her, which was great. So she really helped me make a big step. And then when when I left um, the, my last permanent role working for someone else, um, I hadn't been I'd kind of got I'd moved agencies, moved advertising agencies. And I wasn't I, I struggled to fit in from day one, really, for a lot of different reasons. But that it's not my therapy session, so I won't go into all the detail. <laughs> but what I will say is that some changes happened internally in the business. And I remember thinking, OK, this is my chance. And that was actually this, one of the other times that I can count in terms of I heard a voice in my head, which was, I won't I won't um, let you choose the timing, but I'll let you I'll give you what you want. And so I resigned the next day. And um, I remember my mum and dad were on holiday when all this was going on. So I went round to their house to see them a couple of years ago, a couple of, excuse me, a couple of weeks after I had um, made the decision to resign. And um, I said, look, mum and dad, I'm going to, I'm going to, fin- I'm going to leave this business. I'm, I want to start on my own. And they just said, like, what can we do to help? And that was so surprising. They are very, very supportive. I don't think I was expecting to be quite so behind me. So, you know, vocally around it. And I'm really blessed with my family in that they have been very supportive and um you know been interested in my work as well and just kind of let me get on with it too because I know a lot of my mates um in the entrepreneurial community it's not been the same for them and I've had like you know help them with tactics about how to kind of um you know overcome negativity from maybe family members that are just quite loud about their opinion about what we're doing even though they're not having to walk this path so I've been lucky and I don't take for granted that my family have supported me um, throughout. Absolutely. Um, and I really count my blessings there, too, because I know, like I say, I've got mates that have had a really tricky time to the point where they've sometimes not even told them their parents or their family uh, members that they've actually left their job and they've been kind of working themselves mm-hmm. six months because they kind of want to get a bit of time under um, their belt before they go to those people that aren't necessarily expected to be supported but um uh, just if I could share with you something I think would it helps in this situation is um there's a great and he's not with us anymore he's passed on but it's a great um spiritual teacher I suppose you'd call him called Dr Wayne Dyer love him and, uh, oh high five he's amazing yes. um just oh god medicine is the word I would use to describe his teachings but anyway everyone has the, some of their favorite teachers he's absolutely <laughs> one of mine but um I remember getting the wishes fulfilled audiobook and I think I was listening to it on my phone or um, whatever device. And he talked about um, when you have something that's really precious to you, whether you're starting a business, you want to ask someone to marry you, you want to save and go on a trip, you're thinking about selling a house, whatever the heck it is, if it's important to you, make a temple in your heart, put it in there and guard it. And how do you guard it? Well, you're really careful about who you talked about it how you talk about it, and if indeed you do talk about it to anyone in the first place. That's not, it's not about keeping secrets and being cagey. But you, if you're listening to this, there's a really good chance you're somewhere on your own entrepreneurial journey. And you might be, have a couple of amazing spreadsheets and you've Googled the heck out of everything you want to do yet to actually get started. Or you might be 20 years down the line and um, looking for a direction, whatever it is. But we know what it takes to get scrape up every crumb of self-confidence and focus and commitment and keep giving that to ourselves. We can stay in our lane, actually do what we're here to do. We know how precious that self-confidence is and we know how fragile it can be, too. It only takes one off the cuff comment from your, you know, your dad's mate or your dad's auntie, whatever, who's a bit, you know, 
a bit bold or you know a bit thoughtless and it could spin you out for days and weeks and our ideas our passion our self-confidence our focus are too important to become the fodder for other people's gossip and conversations so if someone doesn't understand what it is to run their own business I wouldn't necessarily make yourself available for a conversation about your business and where you're at because you'll often only get unhelpful advice. So unless they're kind of like a guru and have done what you want to do, I would keep the conversations light and shut them down. So things like if someone says, oh, how's it going? And, you know, if the truth of the matter is it's been really quiet, you aren't making money or you've made a there's been an error or whatever. If you're not at a great point in the business, you're running about like four out of ten in terms of your mood. You can say, you know what? I'm seeing some really interesting growth. It's early days. I'm learning a lot. And I believe that um, the results are coming. Anyway, how are you? Um, You flip the conversation because if you're not careful, those conversations can become you justifying you and what you're doing. And it's not your job to convince or persuade anyone that of what you're doing. You're here to just do you, boo. And those (laughs) conversations can be so damaging. They're like putting little holes in a balloon. Yeah. Well, you know it, you're all out of puff. <laughs> yes. um, so I know I, I know I sounded quite defensive in sharing that. I'm just very passionate about it because I've seen so many friends in tears or have received WhatsApp voicemails from like, oh my God, I feel like I'm back at square one because they went to a party or they were at a networking event or whatever. They were, you know, at, at the sink, you know, cleaning stuff up at home and uh, whatever it was, an off-the-cuff conversation just led them to spiral out of control and lose confidence and put them back weeks. And when you are an entrepreneur, and whether your name is literally above the door or is, you know, closely associated with it, we just can't be available for those sorts of conversations until we or idea or preferably both are feeling strong and resilient enough to be open to um, conversation about it. It's just so important if I feel fragile I will not talk about my business I'll just move the conversation along because it's not chit chat to me it's my life yes (laughs) you know it's not just something to kind of pass you know pass and swap news about um so I am super protective about that to be honest and to the point where I might even sound a bit touchy but I'm just really passionate about it I think it's a hundred percent true, and I I want to piggyback off that to sh- like to validate yeah. because it's I noticed that recently, or I guess when I first started my business a year or two ago, whatever it was at this point, um, and oh. I I notice everyone has an opinion, you know, no matter oh, gosh, yeah. no matter what it is. For example, like I do website design, and uh, yeah. the first questions people ask or they want my opinion about so they can sell their own is do you use WordPress or Squarespace? And no matter yeah. which one you say, <laughs> they're going to give their opinion about. And I'm like, yeah. I know you're just fishing for whatever, you know, yeah. whatever answer you're looking for validation. And same thing mm-hmm. with you know, especially for coaches, I think that's huge because I found this out recently or I heard about it and thought it was so true is that our parents or grandparents, whoever they might be, they didn't grow up in the generation where coaches were a thing. They didn't think that was okay. And that's why it's so hard for them to understand sometimes to wrap their head around like what coaches can actually do because they never were exposed to it. They're like, you have to get a title or a doctorate or whatever it is because they never had that option. That's exactly right. And um, that's why I think it's so important to spend some time and get creative um, arriving at how you talk about your business. Mm -hmm. Because so, for example, like I'm a coach, um, I think it's a term which is sometimes willfully misunderstood. So if you say life coach, it can sound like, um, you know, the the trappings of celebrities in L.A. Um, (laughs) And equally, I've you know, I was back home for the holidays and I was hanging out with a mate and he brought a friend along. I told him I was a coach and then he said he doesn't know how I sleep at night taking money off vulnerable people. And I was like, what? So I was cool with that conversation because um, I was able to kind of handle that and that's all good. But when um, a term like coach is so misunderstood, misinterpreted, I think it's important that we as coaches or whatever business that we're in, we take the lead in how we talk about it. So, for example, if someone said to me, what do you do? I say, well, it's a bit different, actually. I help people dissolve their comparisons so they don't compare themselves anymore and they can be really self-focused and that might be in their life or in relationships or their business so I call myself a comparison coach and recently I helped someone go from A to B 
So what I'm doing is not just giving the label, I'm sharing the context of the work and leading with the benefit of it. And that's really, um, that's completely different. I hope it sounded different too, it's to revel- a kind of memorized like um, elevator pitch. <laughs> no, I think people need to do this more because even for myself, when I, I have a love for branding and storytelling and messages, yeah. I think they're, uh, they're so powerful. But one yeah. of the things, one of the guys that I uh, used to read about, his name is Don- Donald Miller, and mm. he uh, created this uh, framework and book about, uh, it's called Building a Story Brand. And, Lovely. you know, it's the same thing with, you know, website or whoever you're talking to. If they don't understand within three to five seconds of what you do, you've lost yeah. them or confused them because our brains, you know, our brains are still thousands yeah. of years old. They haven't, you know, <laughs> you got we, it. we love to think that they evolved, but they didn't. Um, yeah. And that's what I love what you said is because you're helping show them the results before giving them just a title because if they don't know what that means, you're giving them a clear, you're actually giving them a clear answer because actually you an unclear it. answer would be life coach. Yeah, and, and that it can mean, it can mean so many different things. So I think we as individuals can take ownership of our interpretation of that too. Um, and I, I think as well, we need to be aware that our industry can be so jargon heavy mm-hmm. and we use words very um, quickly and like almost like fast food. We use words like authentic, transformation, best selves. And they are they are vague principles that we've come to understand because we've sat in seminars, we've paid money to be trained, we've been coached ourselves. We read all the books, we watch all the YouTube videos, we follow everyone on um, social media. So we can very quickly, I'm clicking my fingers there, we can very <laughs> quickly kind of like... Um, switch gears into probably quite a deep and considered conversation about very emotional things whereas our clients or people we're talking to about the business or what we do they're not necessarily there yet and we can only meet them halfway but um that's when kind of using plain language and using examples to illustrate and make someone feel something when you tell them what they do what you do I think is so powerful because you might have got your elevator pitch down to like 20 seconds and you can um, reel it out really really quickly but if it sounds practice it sounds like you had to do a worksheet to come up with it then it's not going to be engaging because people want the human being experience um and also and I always joke about this it's a bit sarcastic but I'm British so you know that's what we're like but you know if you were ever in an elevator you'd be looking at the phone looking at your phone or talking about the weather yes. there would never you're never going to be in an elevator door scenario you're always going to have the opportunity to pass over it at a business card and share exactly what you're doing or what you're looking for or someone will arrive on your website and they have like 10 pages to get to know you or perhaps they'll see you at a speaking event and there'll be a poster but then you'll be on stage you know there's so we have so many more touch points that of course what I'm not saying is if you have a great opportunity put yourself out there absolutely but your life is not going to be conditional on a 30 second elevator experience. And if it is like write the book now, because it sounds amazing, but it's like, it's not going to necessarily play out like that. And thank God the pressure's off, you know, yes. <laughs> it's about trying to make as many clear and positive impressions as we can over time. Cause especially if you're here for the long game, you know, it's about building momentum and building um, your presence too. So that just, for example, if someone emails you and say, and you say like, well, how did you find out about me? They're like, I'm not sure. I follow you on Instagram and I heard you on here mm-hmm. and I, my friend worked with you. I'm like, great. That's a number of different touch points that are happening there. Yes. It's actually, I love that you mentioned that for a couple of reasons. So first part is the truth. It's, it's so true. And I hope the listeners understand this too, is that when it comes to your message, like there is what, uh, even I think Donald Miller, that same guy, he mentioned the knowledge deficit, you know, there's like, we talk usually, um, there's a one to 10 scale. One's being like, um, you know, 11 year old, two year old, you know, that kind of, um, (laughs) not an outsider to then we usually talk, uh, we have the level to talk at a 10. We think we're yeah. talking lower to them, but actually we're only talking at a seven because we started using that jargon. Interesting. So yeah, that exactly. One to seven make a lot of gap. assumptions. Yeah. So I love that you mentioned that because I think it's true. And I, I, I've noticed this recently is that I, uh, I went to college and got my bachelor's and it's actually been a disservice to me because oh, I did okay. so many reports and stuff like that that was more academic when I have to kind of just 
cut down all the fluff and just get down yeah. to regular basic words because um, it's true. I mean, people will get it automatically if you give them a, a metaphor or talk in a simple sentence yeah. versus saying um, something very eloquently and put together with a lot of adjectives. Like, that, that, yeah. that doesn't work that well anymore. <laughs> yeah, and you sound like you're kind of firehosing them with information <laughs> yes. and conversation. And it's, it's interesting because some people will think, this is bullshit, excuse the language. You need 10 words, it's got to be in 20 seconds, it's done, cool. Okay, fine. Other people will want to kind of tell a story and that might take a little while to get to the point. But if it feels good to you, it's in your tone and your style and it's what's going to deliver the information, it's the right answer. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I help um, clients with websites and sometimes, so my website is a long copy website, but I know from the analytics codes I have on there, people read to the end and more than that, they come back and they read to the end again. It's good copy. it's good copy and I'm telling certain I'm, I'm talking to them knowing what the information they need because when you're working with people like you and I and Danielle like we're not selling socks on Amazon are we <laughs> no here's your red socks your blue socks here's your size bam bam okay the knock on the door here it is it's an emotional purchase and again we can't be making assumptions about um what is going we can't make assumptions about what people know and how they're feeling and I want people when they get to my contact form to be like 70% there I want them to have a feel for me, my tone, how I do things. I want them to be self-selecting as well in terms of like, yes, this is something I can commit to and I like her vibe and I think she challenged me in all the right ways. And yet there are some coaches that have got like three bullet points and they're doing really well too. So it's very interesting in terms of there's lots of shoulds around, but it's like take great advice, work with experts if you can to arrive at the right level for you. But sometimes it's a case of more is more, not less is more, especially when it's really considered and specific how we respond to questions like, what do you do? How do you do? What's your kind of line of work as well? Um, Because I think often we cut ourselves short by trying to just look clever, if I'm honest. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's true. There was something, there was a post recently I saw, I think, on Facebook a while ago that was, what are some of the words that you hate hearing now for business speak? And one of them was the word babe, when everyone uses like business babe or fat ass babe. (laughs) And I was like, you know, that's actually kind of true. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but I can't say that for myself. So when I read people's copy um, and it says stuff like that, I still believe in their message, but it just might not, you know, attract that. But I think it's true is that there's certain parts of your business and I I can't I carry this one phrase with me everywhere yeah. I go from spiritual to business is yeah. that you keep what resonates and you drop the rest so amen sis yes. amen if, yeah if truly. the copy doesn't feel good to you and like if you don't the long copy doesn't feel right for what you're saying then cut it down because that's yeah. gonna work better for you and I love that you mentioned that because for me exactly I I think I'm going to redo my copy soon, but that's not really the point. Is that... Um, yeah, time to revisit maybe, yeah. The website itself or these touch points, you know, it's not about writing the the most clever or well-advised words. It's about coming from yeah. the heart because once you once you grab their attention and their emotion, you, mm. you've, you got them. Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. And I think as well... What's great is that if you if you're struggling to find the words like work with a copywriter, but Mm -hmm. that's specific like work with them, because otherwise, you know, like a brand's got to be joined up to cut through and they want to when they meet you having read your website, they want it to feel like the same person. So you can brief a copywriter. But I I think the, the copywriters that ask a lot of questions are the best ones because you want to a way to articulate what you're trying to say, but you've got to sound like you too. It's one of the reasons why um, I won't give over my social media accounts. And like, I'm so busy. I haven't got a, ma- a minute to scratch my ass. Sorry. Swearing again. Um, <laughs> and I, there's so much I can be delegating. And like, I have people that work on my team and they're really, really cool people. And I trust them implicitly, but my Instagram is me. <laughs> like it yes. really is me. And I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm so special and important with my tone, but I can tell when my mates in business have written what they've written and when they haven't written it because I know them. Yep. Even I, sometimes I got to know them through Instagram or a channel before I actually met them and then we became pals. And I kind of feel like it's such an important personal channel that I don't give it away. And yeah, I'm not great at spelling and my grammar is often terrible. Um, and sometimes my pictures are a little bit grainy actually. But ultimately, like I lead with my heart there. And I'm, I'm there to build relationships. Yep. And um, so another example, and there's lots of shoulds out there, aren't they? Delegate this as soon as possible, right? 20, like one of my friends is amazing at scheduling. 
So she'll write like 50 Instagram posts like every second Sunday or something wow, like that. For her. Just, yes, I know she's stockpiling those babies and it's like amazing. But I sit and think about I'm going to write every single day. She's like, how can you do that? I'm like, well, how can you do that? But it just works for us. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. Like I know a lot of people do content batching for Instagram. But for me, like what I can do, what I'll usually do, they'll, I can pick out the pictures, but I can't write the captions until either the night before or the day of because either there'll be something that's going on that week that I wanted to address or a story or, you know, I might have re-wanted to rewrite this later on down the road. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's that's true. That's exactly it. And sometimes, um, and I'll, you and I are Instagram pals, Danielle, but, yes. and I'm not, there's no reason why you'd notice. I also know that I'm not, that it's no bombshell to me. The world does not revolve around me, even though I'm a Leo and act like it sometimes. <laughs> um, but getting to my point, <laughs> if I don't have anything informative or entertaining to say, I just won't post. Yeah. I'd just rather not post because the energy always leads. Well, the way that I see it, too, with Instagram now, and I i mean, Instagram's probably one of my favorite ones to use out of all the platforms. Me too. Right? And I think the interesting part is that actually a lot more viewers or followers are looking more at your stories than your posts because the algorithm is so screwed uh-huh. up right now. So for yeah. me, I think about the same thing, too. Like this weekend, I was at a wedding, and then t- uh, yesterday was just my planning day, so I didn't post mm-hmm. until today. And yeah. what I did instead was I would just – post my stories like of you know going throughout my day or whatever it was and that way you're still giving you know glimpses into your life but you don't have to worry about sitting down and making an actual caption or post if you don't feel like that yeah it's resonated absolutely and the thing I love about um stories is they're so deliberately and beautifully um imperfect yes so I could be kind of um you know coming from a glamorous client's office in London I'm like hey I'm going for to get lunch now I'm gonna go home or whatever or I can be hair in a top knot you know favorite zippy up very Mm -hmm. unfashionable jumper on and I'll be jumping on to share some information about an event and I think that's what's so cool about um where we're at with the internet age at the moment which is people just want to connect I know it sounds so cheesy but they really want to connect so for goodness sake don't let your appearance or whether you're tired hold you back from showing up because as well something I try and remember myself and remind clients about too is you're a coach you're not a blogger you know you're a coach that happens to have content channels that you can use as you please but if Instagram shuts down you still need a job like you're still gonna have a job so don't you know if you want to have a shoot great have fun bring your brand to life go for it but don't worry about posting or not posting because people don't really care and also they'd rather you turned up authentically and also like you know final point is like you're not a blogger I'm saying this a lot like you're not a blogger like why are you writing 20 blog posts why aren't you going to that event or offering going to pitch yourself to that PR or whatever and get that opportunity instead like where's the money going to come from because for some people content is a really great way of procrastinating oh yeah so like there's a great um teacher a businessman and I've got one of his books actually and he's not you know, I've only come across him recently, but a few of my clients love him. And he's called Brendan Bouchard. I've heard of and, him, yeah. Um, yeah, I bet you come across him. And um, a client of mine was like, well, Brendan posts five times a day. I'm like, well, Brendan owns a multi-million dollar corporation and he's trying team. to trick the algorithm. Yeah. Exactly. So Brendan can, like, do what the hell he wants. But you, <laughs> I'm asking, I'm challenging you for the reasons, which is once is enough. And then go out and, you know, make it part of what how you spend your time and part of how, where you, you invest your skill as part of the business. But it, with the Instagram, Insta famous and blah, blah stuff happening <laughs> now, I get sucked into it too. Yeah. But, um, you know, if I'm sitting there going, oh, I don't know what to post. I have to have a word for myself. I'm like, you've got two client proposals to write, you moron. Like, put your phone down. Oh, You're it's true. Well, the thing I love about that, too, is there's someone else who's like that, um, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, I've come across him, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I really, I love parts of his work, but he's a similar way where he's like, I remember listening to a video a while ago that was something to the extent of someone's only posting once or twice a day. Okay, move it up to four times a day and then move it up and like start DMing people like hours on end. And, you know, I think to some extent that might work for some people, but like like you said, is that for, for me... I, you know, it's not that I have a problem with writing. I just don't, if I, if I want to write, I have to sit down at a coffee shop with like the nice environment yes. and be in the headspace <laughs> yeah. for it. It takes a lot. Yeah. I can't just write five times a week. <clears throat> I would probably die. <laughs> oh, completely. It becomes a job, doesn't it? And it's yeah. interesting because it's like, this is, I'm not going to criticize anyone that approaches to sell in direct messages and that sort of thing. 
but do it because it works for you not because you think it should because I have had some slight like it, unless you've practiced it don't do it yes. because the energy always leads and I've had people slide into my dms and I'm like who the hell do you think you are like block and delete I won't even reply Oh yeah. Um, because oh, yeah. I'm I'm very I focused on organic growth and started with relationships, um, which is maybe like a whole other podcast episode to be honest. But so for example, I don't yet have a funnel and I don't have systems in place. I talk about what I do online and I've got my self promotion tone right, such that I'm able to sell in that way. So I wouldn't go into anyone's direct messages. I'm hoping I'm doing such a lot to connect with people, they actually always come to me. Yes, I that's I think I love that part too is because I recently I mean, I've had email for a while and I do newsletters yeah. and stuff like that, but actually a couple of my clients, one of them found me oddly enough through an Instagram hashtag. Another one oh, fun. Yeah, another one was, you know, referrals, another one was a like Facebook group. So for me, like I I understand for people and I think that funnels are great and I do try and I'm trying to get better into getting one started, but I yeah. think if it's like it's what's it called the if it's not broke don't fix it kind of thing yeah that's exactly how I feel yeah if it works for you fantastic but don't be starting your business thinking oh but I haven't got a funnel so I'm not official yet because you know it's I it, it all depends on how well you know your audience and I believe I know my audience so well that I can pepper what they need and they'll come to me um and also I love like consistent client interest and consistent cash flow so I don't run my business in campaigns like so I don't use a funnel to whip Mm -hmm. up a big pool of like potential inquiries hit the phones or whatever and convert from there I'm very happy to I've got a waiting list at the moment but usually I'm kind of just one in one out yeah um and I um, because I just love cash flow so for me seeing like that addition and that sustainable incremental growth coming every month every month and before you know it you're hitting your financial targets that feels really aligned with me but um I've got mates that run the kind of campaign um uh, method and that works for them and their personality so again um try it try what works for you and, and see the results you get and tweak from there yes exactly and it's really I think the best part about business is that you get to experiment you know you get to experiment yeah. to see what works well for you like I do post a blog I think once a week and I actually content batched for that however I do a video like a YouTube video on top of that for like the five best uh, tips from that blog post because I don't I love it because yeah Yeah. I assume people won't see it in this podcast which I adore like I love the audio and visual technical aspects of it versus the written part not that I don't enjoy written I just I know myself well enough to know that I'm not going to sit down every day and yeah I love that Danielle I love that knowing yourself this is the thing is things have moved on such a lot so like I remember I first found out about online marketing through a woman called Marie Folio. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did B-School, like, in, what would it be, 2013, maybe 2012, mm-hmm. um, or around about that. And it was kind of like the second coming, like, newsletters and this and that. And now that feels really old-fashioned in that question the methods. You know, what works then is not going to work now. Yes. So it's like be careful about how much you take stuff as gospel in terms of how you apply it because actually your way is the way. It's so true and I actually went to a social media marketing conference last month and there was the keynote, like the opening keynote was about yeah. Facebook. Oh, jeez. I know. And I sat there and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, yeah. they had other speakers who talked about Pinterest, Instagram, like the good stuff. But for the opening keynote to be about Facebook and then especially to where it is now with all the controversy and stuff like that, it just I knew like you could feel it in your gut. I was like, you know, mm. Facebook's not going to be for me. I think groups are fantastic, um, mm. but I don't think that, you know, everything like Facebook business pages or, you know, that uh, that yeah. engagement's dropped so much completely and I understand like pay to play and I'm not tight I've invested in kind of promoting and spending money to get likes here and there but um the it's the engagement that I think is um I'm happy to pay for the engagement if it's there but it's so tricky and having to you know why should it take me 30 minutes to select an audience when I could I, I know if I pass her on the street yep so it's kind of online is fantastic the tools that we've been given here are incredible um and yet you don't have to touch them exactly I love that you mentioned that too is because once you 
hone in on your audience or hone in on who you're trying to get towards. Mm. You know, I don't think it's always about the next uh, ad or the next campaign sometimes. Sometimes it's really just reaching out to them and seeing maybe if you're using Facebook, go into the groups and see who's calling out for what you're going for. Who's Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. What I'll also do is I'm a big fan of research because it's a big part of what I've done in my career and I'm really nosy anyway, so it's a perfect part of my role. <laughs> if you're ever um, wondering about like what's the mood for something, yeah, you can go into Facebook groups. It's a fantastic um, suggestion that, Danielle, and see what the mood in the camp is. But if you go onto Amazon and look at some of the books that you think your people are reading and then read the one and two star reviews and the five yeah. star reviews, yeah. you'll get such a good view on what's missing for people and what really resonates with people. And not saying you want to bend and flex yourself to play to the choir. So I mean, play to the audience, play to the crowd, excuse me. Um, but it will certainly give you a really clear view on what's missing for people and what they've got an abundance of already. And that can be super cool when it comes to planning content or Facebook lives or even um, tweaking up some of your programs or and packages. Yes, I 100% agree. I know uh, Pat Flynn actually talked about that a while ago, which is you go to those books and you look at the 3%, 2%, like those kind of re- oh, three cool. stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can really see what people were lacking from it. And I love that. You can totally content plan around that. Yeah, it just it lends a different perspective as well because I always think like if ever I feel like my client or potential client isn't in the room, I need I need to do something. I need to switch it up yes. because um, it's not about me; it's about them, and I want that to be abundantly clear. Yes, I and I think it's actually a really great transition to actually I wanted to ask you as well is being sure. in this. Uh, you know, in the coaching industry, especially, but really as a business owner, what is one thing that you would tell yourself just starting out? <sighs> I get ready for the long game. I don't know why, but I thought I'd put this website up and I would be overrun with client opportunities. (laughs) And it's only after five years. And now I really know myself and know myself in business. And um, I I would say get ready for the long game and just like a long distance runner slows down for water. We're allowed to slow down as well. A um, couple of other things, if I could have a cheeky uh, few other suggestions, mm-hmm. I would say be really careful about the company you keep. Yes. Um, because, again, like, you know, the odd bitchy remark might knock you off your pony completely and you've got to um, conserve yourself there too. Um, and I, I guess, like, just be aware of comparison. I know it sounds really trite and obvious to say it, but it's there's just so much of it about and it can make you um, question your own judgments about the sort of business choices you want to make and it can also ruin relationships if you're not careful as well because you know if you look online and someone seems like they've got it all going on but what you don't see is um behind the scenes so for example my um my grid's popping at the moment and it's great I'm, I've got loads of dynamic things going on but what I haven't spoken about so much recently is the fact when I was ill a few months ago I had this flu going around in the UK and everyone kind of got I it I got it in New Year's I you hated got it, it. Oh, I was in London God. for New Year's and I got it yeah, oh that's rubbish I'm so sorry that happened um because <laughs> it was just yeah it was just horrible and that was kind of like eight to ten weeks ago that happened and I'm still not quite myself Danielle I can't yes. figure it out my lungs I... are still really like trying to come back from that <laughs> And I feel like there's a, it's left me with a residual tiredness, which I think is an invitation to rest, actually, and conserve and restore. But um, I found myself like trying to force myself through it. I'm like, oh, I need to crack on. I'm I'm losing my focus. I've lo- you know I've lost track of these things. Well, I actually have to accept that's happened now. But what I'm not going to do is rock up on Instagram every day and say, hey guys, still not feeling quite right. How are you? Because yeah. it's not interesting or useful for people. But I do try and be as transparent, and honest as possible whenever things aren't looking instagrammable in my life because I think it's so important to show up no matter what's going on but yeah comparison can be um so tricky when we get started also if I just a final suggestion because it hopefully save a lot of time and money be really conscious of your energy and your intentions and your objectives when you're investing in other courses or working with people yes. because I think when a lot of us start out we're actually more qualified and initiated and experienced than we dare give ourselves credit for. And I'll just go to this seminar and I'll just finish this qualification. I'll just go and interview this person. And what we're not doing is putting into action what we know. 
I love that. It's, and the thing uh, is, too, like, what you do as well, because you, especially for coaches, and the same thing comes with any industry, really, is that, yeah. like you said, it's believing in yourself, you know, where you're yeah. at. Absolutely. And ha- have that faith as well. Um, I'm also really into visualization just as an everyday tool, too. I wish I'd done more of it. Um, I don't think I realized how, even though I knew loads of stuff and, you know, intellectually could rationally like share tools and techniques, I knew what mindfulness was. I don't think I had a morning practice when I was in my early days. And I think that really slowed my progress, too, because I kind of knew where I was going, but I wasn't absolutely on the right track for it. I don't think I'd program my GPS properly. And I wish that um, I had done more visualization and thrown myself into spirituality more to be another um, tool and another resource bank to draw into when I was having a low day. Because I still every so often will have like what I call a hugging a radiator crying day. (laughs) I'll have like the most emotional OTT, like diva style, just completely at a loss 24 hours. And they used to happen every four months. Now they happen about every 11 months or so. I'm due in about May, so I'll let you know how that gets on. Um, (laughs) But I will just be an absolute wreck. Yeah. And I let myself kind of feel it all. But my recovery time is so much quicker now because of just having a practice and going, finding out who my, you know, finding out who my teachers are that nourish me. Um, and every good teacher should send you back to yourself. So you'll, you'll, that's a kind of a good guide to know about who your best teachers are. But having those trusted authors or um, people to follow and look up to helped a lot as well, because it made me realize, you know, that's why I'm doing this. Well, that's where I'm going as part of it. Um, and, you know, I had no idea, and perhaps you can relate to this, Danielle, but I had no idea how much starting a business would, would, um, put under pressure my self-worth oh my god yes I had no idea how personal everything would become to me in that sense too and the boundaries that um you'd have you have to create and keep and maintain as well it's I think starting a business is not for the faint-hearted but it's also one of the most stimulating experiences you'll ever help have and it will it will challenge you in ways you would never normally be challenged as well I really wish I'd known the importance of mindset when I started off too um, and how little I would give myself permission to kind of ask for and when it came to charging and that sort of thing. And an um, a author that's really helped me around that is a British author called Genevieve Davis. So if you or your oh. listeners want to check her out, I highly recommend. She has um, this this book series, which is a course in manifesting, basically, which I know manifesting and the law of attraction, etc. those terms can be very polarizing. So I'm going to ask you, just forget the the title because I think one of the book that I found her through was called Becoming Rich and that can already be quite polarizing someone actually that mentioned that to me recently yeah oh, well I was raving about her on Instagram so forgive me it might have even been me it might have been, honestly I mean it's just a blur how many people we see so much but I know right I want to say funny. yeah go on please no, I, I think that was true. I think it might, I think it might have been you. Did you do it on like an Instagram story or something? That's like that? right, honey. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish I'd had her teachings in my pocket because um, she just really laid down some really important principles. And I, I just got it, you know, rather than just listening to it and understanding it. I, it just felt it just really dropped into my being. And that changed everything for me. And that was about two years ago. Um, and I can almost chart the aggressive growth my business had has had back to listening to those books because I changed for the business the business wasn't going to change for me and that was um, a massive growth spurt which I'll tell you about over a wine one day or another episode if you want oh my god yes I want to talk to you forever but sadly there's only so much time Um, but no I think that's 100% true is that um, mindset and I, I I, before, I didn't want to say that I believed in it in the sense of, like, I didn't want to believe how important it was. But now, oh, my gosh, it can literally make or break your business. It really can because you are your business. So if you're not in the right mindset, neither will your clients or your business be. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's linked to so many things like trusting yourself, trusting your decisions. It's like like today I've had a bit of a quiet day so I've had a bit of a headache. So there's loads I should have done today, but I knew I was I'm working up to this recording, which is evening in UK and daytime for you. And I thought I've got to be sharp for that. So I didn't do loads of things on my to-do list. In fact, I barely touched my to-do list. I've had it on, on what might look like on the car, on my paper, my notepad, a really unproductive day. But what I didn't want was to not be on top form for this conversation. So my mindset is such that you made the right call, chill, start again tomorrow. 
But two years ago, I would have been like, I haven't done all I need to. And I've got to speak to Danielle and la la. And it would have become quite dramatic. Yes. And that's something that has been like a really interesting muscle to work as well in that life being drama free. Yes. And I actually would love to know, too, just to give a little taste for the audience of is there anything you're currently working on uh, that they can look out for? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I'm. I'm st- I'm starting to develop some online workshops because I want to reach more people through the world and I can give a certain amount over Instagram every day because I've got a hold on taking on one-to-one clients at the moment with the waiting list. I don't want to sit on my hands though, so to speak. So what I am working on at the moment is developing some comparison free living like lecture workshops. So that. the first one will be in the next month or so um, and that'll be like the comparison free essentials. And then I'm going to expand it into a series around comparison free finances relationships oh um goodness. our well-being be and uh, and just see if we can try and like you know because everyone has their thing Danielle I don't know if yeah. you know this like I've never really compared my love life or relationships but for my fr- like my friend Amy she's obsessed with comparing her love life and relationships whereas I've often compared money success trappings that kind of stuff that's been something that an aspiration that's something that's been um always on my radar but she couldn't give a hoot on um, who, who's got what shoes or who's got how many other Instagram followers. And she doesn't get it. So she would never want to come to like the comparison-free finance yeah. <laughs> lecture. Equally, you know, she would want the relationship one. So I've re- I'm just wanting to really lead um, on this one in terms of breaking it down to specific areas. So that's something to be um, aware of, which people might find of interest. But I'm posting on the daily over at Instagram, which is like my big heart love place to hang out online. So um, if there's anything new coming, that's the best place to find me. And I'll put all the links down below, but I'm super excited to see how that goes because I 100% agree with that. Is that comparison? Everyone has their own aspect in which that they're, you know, compare others to or themselves rather than thinking like, oh, I just compare my whole entire life. That's not usually how it works. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. We've got our little pockets. And thank goodness. Can you imagine if you were comparing in all the different areas? Aye, aye, aye. Never leave the house. I was going to say you'd be in your house forever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think one of the things would be great to leave off for the uh, audience as well, because I think this is beautiful and you've kind of mentioned it already, is that you, you know, you embody what you do, especially when you have your name, because I believe that brand choice, color theory, and especially since you were in a brand strategist already, um, I think you can understand that there's intent behind everything, I think, even if it's unconscious or whatnot. So I'd love to hear kind of your process mentally of um, when you started going down this path of having your name show up and having these colors that you've picked, um, how that went for you. It was a process, definitely. And I was thinking about what's I actually went what I was called off sector so I looked at brands outside of coaching and well-being and anything that might be related and um, I wanted to look at those and take the brand take the best bits of inspiration from the brands that made me feel really good mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to create a feeling around the brand um, so when I was briefing my designer I sent her things like Bandeau and um, a couple of other brands which forgive me I've kind of left my mind now like maybe Alexander McQueen and that kind okay. of thing that mm-hmm. were powerful and then she kind of came back with um, the designs and the palette. Now, interestingly, I was kind of using Millennial Pink a lot. Really? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, and now I've moved away from it because now I use black and white, actually. Which... And it's interesting you say about... Sorry, go on, um, Danielle. No, it, it fits you more, is that the, the black and white fits you a lot more. Yeah, and it's interesting that um, it feels a lot more flexible because I want to have that flex too. But I've been talking to um, Holly Jones, who's my content producer. She's you can find her um, at Global Media online, and um, she's been saying like we need to get you down to a palette. She's absolutely right because actually my cl- my on my website it's really clean and it's it's really put together. But my Instagram is a little bit all over the place at the moment, and I'm not saying I want to treat it like a magazine because I'm not a magazine. As much as I want to appear to be premium and beautiful and engaging, I'm not a magazine. So I'm not about to put myself under that pressure. But I think there's a lot of fun to be had with choosing a visual theme to go with, even oh, yeah. if it's just the next few months or so. So it's a really great time to ask that question Danielle because I'm like I'm yet to arrive at it but the process is about a feel and an energy and the same goes um you know photography is such a big part of any brand process isn't it whenever I have a photo shoot I'll always make a Pinterest board of personalities within the public eye or otherwise that give off the energy that I want to and I want people to feel for my brand so for example for my last um shoot 
I did a Pinterest board and it turned out there were quite a lot of pictures of uh, Michelle Obama and uh, Drew Barrymore. Um, and it's kind of if I looked at the poses and what they were wearing and a few other personalities were on there as well. It was this kind of very feminine, confident, but playful energy. You know because Michelle color? Obama. Go on, I, please. I see a color like I'm looking at your picture right now on Skype. So the color that I think would go really well for you and just who you are. I don't know, this might sound kind of odd, but like really deep hues of like a uh, deep purple or red with like a little Delicious. bit of like lighter because I think that would give you that both feminine but also that power because when I see Ooh, like delicious. Bu- like burgundy or violet, like you just think like power but also feminine. I think that'd be a really good one for oh, you. Oh, thank you for that recommendation. I'm not even giving you a tag on that one. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. And I love that because that's another thing in terms of I'm evolving. I'm a 35 next birthday. So I'm a woman. There's no getting away from it. I'm having to stop referring to myself as a girl. It's such yes. an interesting thing. So I'm really conscious of like, what is this next evolution? Because I'm seeing it in like even my makeup. I used to wear a very bright um, matte pink or a matte orange on my lips. And I just with a bit of mascara. And it was, you know, with my bangs and stuff, it's kind of my look, I suppose, if that doesn't sound really ridiculous and self-conscious. But now I'm like, but I want to be a bit softer now. Yeah. So even like, <coughs> excuse me, my makeup palette is changing. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I bring that to the brand? So it's a really live conversation for me. So I really value you um, sharing your view. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I was just thinking about that too, because people who have listened to this podcast before know I have like a love for color theory. I, I love like knowing what colors and same thing with spirituality, like the chakra colors and that kind of stuff plays a part into mm-hmm. it. So for me, I just really loved colors and trying to help kind of give whatever I can to others mm-hmm. that really embodies what they are. Because I think every, every color that you choose, or especially your main color for your brand, mm-hmm everyone I've asked about it they always say it's because it's their favorite color but what I really think it is is that you subconsciously chose it for some reason like mine's blue and blue you know for chakras is about like communication and yeah of course expression or the sense of like relief and calm and confidence so I yeah I just I love that kind of stuff so I love asking that because I think it's true oh I love it well thank again thank you for recommendation I totally agree with you yeah no problem I Honestly, I would do that for hours. I just don't have yeah. enough time to. <laughs> um, but honestly, this has been a absolute fantastic time, Joy. You have been truly amazing. I, I can't thank you enough for being here. Oh, truly. I have had an absolute blast. Thank you for such um, insightful questions as well. I'm really sorry that I swore. No, <laughs> several times. I didn't even notice it, to be honest. I didn't even okay. hear it. I was so focused on, on you. You're good. Oh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And there you guys have it. It's been an absolute joy to have her on here. Thank you again, Lucy, for coming on. And today's episode, I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it. For next steps, make sure you go to danielleclem.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one Insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase and launch. Make sure to go ahead there to do that. And DM me at Clem to go in deeper to the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.